Hello, I'm Dylan. And I'm Keon. Sergeant Drano. And this is Zenith, that podcast that's a high-risk operation, because this week we watched Pressure Point. Written by Terry Nation. Directed by George Spenton Foster. And aired on February 6th, 1979. Yeah, so we've got our very first guest for Zenith. Not our first guest ever, because we had guests on Trust Your Doctor, but our first guest for Zenith. Right, and who else is it but Sergeant Drano, frequent collaborator. Collaborator. Collaborator? Not collaborator, but... (laughs) Correspondent. Correspondent. Frequent correspondent and honorary third host. Honorary third host. We joked just a minute ago before we started recording about handing the show over to Sergeant Drano. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll have the listeners decide. (laughs) That's dangerous. (laughs) Dangerous choice there. We'll put up a poll in the show notes so people can vote. (laughs) But since we basically haven't let him get a word in yet, you want to just sort of introduce yourself, Sergeant Drano? Hey there, gang. I'm a Sergeant Drano. I'm a Sergeant. My name is Drano. And I also have a podcast. Uh, It's called Station 7, The Door. Uh, we started out as a Lost podcast. Now we do kind of this and that. Uh, we cover. Uh, we've been covering The Walking Dead and uh, uh, Game of Thrones a little bit. Just kind of whatever we feel like covering. We don't podcast every week these days. It's just kind of once in a while. But uh, but we're we're still going. We're still going. And uh, as far as Blake Seven goes, I've been a fan since the series aired in the uh, on U.S. PBS stations back in uh, what, like ninety, early nineties, maybe. And I have the distinction of owning the entire series on commercially released VHS. So, uh, right, oh, right, yeah, cool. VHS. I think that was the only so right American my... release of the of the show. It was never on DVD or, or Blu-ray here or anything. Yeah, that that is very much a shame. Right. Well, um, I mean, could just import the UK versions and then hack. Have a your, hard time playing them. Yeah, hack your DVD player to be region free. Not that I'm condoning <laughs> that or anything. You know, you could just get a region free player. They're not that. You could also do there. that. They're not that wildly expensive. Well, but. Don't you have to have some kind of special video converter thing, too, for PAL versus NTSC or something? Well, yeah, that's also a thing. The actual video format will be different. That's actually a thing about Doctor Who is the differences between PAL and NTSC are, like, they actually make all the American versions run, like, two minutes longer than the British ones because of the frame rate or <laughs> yeah. something, so... Does that mean everybody talks slightly slower in the Yeah, American I think version? so. I think it's, like, very slightly <laughs> slower. Time distortion. There's like a whole website just dedicated to Jesus <laughs> differences between the PAL and TSC versions of Doctor Who. But thanks to the internet, we and most people out there don't have to worry about that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, YouTube. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I mean, there are a lot of options online. Right. I mean, not that I'm specifically saying that we've... Uh, obtain these episodes no no of course not <laughs> in in a a manner that would be deemed undesirable <laughs> sure that's well, a good word. i mean they're on youtube nobody's taking them down right. so i mean Yet. i guess nobody cares yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> <clears throat> anyway so i guess we can just uh, launch straight into our 
potentially very haphazard plot summary of this episode. Mm. Oh, pressure point, right? The yeah, pressure Gans point. Gans final episode. Gans swan so. song. Hey, spoilers. <laughs> spoilers! We spoiled it last week, although you wouldn't know that because that episode hasn't gone out yet. <laughs> yeah, Damn I, it. <laughs> I've known about Gans' death since before I even watched the first episode. <laughs> When did Dylan know, though? I had, at right. one point thought that Dylan didn't know. I didn't know until last week when, right before we were recording the episode, and I was reading something and it was like, this episode was meant to take place after Gan died, and that's why Gan <laughs> doesn't do anything in this episode. Yeah, was, and I was like, what? On the on the Blake 7 wiki page for, um, God, what was last week called? Horizon. Horizon, right. On the Horizon page, it says that this that Horizon was originally planned to take place after... Uh, pressure mm. point, which is why Gan had to be shoehorned into the story. And that's why he mm-hmm. spends most of the story knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> and in like another in, room. <laughs> in this story or the or last in, in, in yeah, Horizon? In Horizon, yeah. Okay, I was going to say, he, he was pretty active this week. Yeah, this, I mean, <laughs> David Jackson in this I thought was great. And, you know, Gan was actually, he was doing things. And yeah. they gave him a part to play, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but how much of that was because they were killing him off? Okay, we're getting, all ahead, of it. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Absolutely all of it. We're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> is, is that, once again, maybe the establishment of a trope that would uh, go for many years to come where the you know the guy is getting ready to get written out so he gets like his, his own episode focused on him and then they kill him? I mean, honestly, <laughs> probably. I mean, definitely for this show since we've never had a, we've never had a character get killed off on this show before, so. Right. I'm trying to think, before this show, how often did characters, main characters, get killed off on TV series? Well, I mean, I'm not particularly, I think I've mentioned this before, I'm not, like, particularly versed in, like, 60s, 70s TV. Yeah, like, anything before uh, Blake 7 is shady to me. Uh, I mean, there was, uh, thinking back to Star Trek, they horribly deformed and maimed Christopher Pike <laughs> after the first episode. He, he, wasn't, a, he wasn't really a main character. Yeah, he wasn't. Though. I, I mean, really he was a main character of the pilot, but after that, it yeah. wasn't really involved at all, so. I mean, yeah, Doctor the, Who killed off Katarina. Yeah, but she, she wasn't really a main character either. She showed up in the previous episode, and then the Doctor was like, come join me in the next episode. She launched herself out <laughs> right. of an airlock and because it, she was on Doctor Who in yeah. the 60s. And Adric was getting killed off around this time, too. I don't remember exactly what year. Well, we're still in Armageddon Factor for the airing of this. Yeah, so he'll be killed off pretty. uh, That was. We're still in Tom Tom Baker right now, aren't we? Yeah, Armageddon Factor. Yeah, Armageddon Factor. My favorite Doctor. Adric gets killed off. uh, Adric will get killed off in like four years, I think. I remember when that happened. That was pretty impactful. Yeah, so I think Adric actually gets killed off after Blake 7 ends, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So Blake Seven did it first again. Basically, well, that's what we're establishing now. But so one of our astute listeners is going to send us an, an angry email about how some <laughs> some obscure show did it before this or, or something. No, they can't. They can't because because I'm already on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be another astute listener who's going to start trying oh. to vie for your throne as as <laughs> as frequent. Contributor. So, how does the story begin? It, I think it begins with the two guys uh, going right. into the zone, the forbidden zone. Oh boy! <laughs> and well, we only get them for a minute, but we get the info that they're they're heading into the zone, which is it just looks like an empty field. And then we cut to Travis and Servalan. Wait, wait! You don't want to talk about these two guys? 
<laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna cut right back to them because it cuts to Travis and Serverland and then cuts yeah. back oh, to their that's deaths. Right, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, because Travis and Serverland just show up and they're like, "Wow, look at these two guys. They must be like rebels or something." And then we just cut straight back to the rebels. Yeah, Serverland doesn't believe that um, they're part of uh, Kasabi. I think her name was. They were Wasabi. Maybe Is it Wasabi. Kasabi. Mm, I think it. I think it was Kasabi. B Kasabi with a K. I really thought it was with a C, actually. Obi Wan Kasabi. <laughs> Obi Wan Kasabi. Right. Travis says that they're part of her group, and Servaland says, "No, I don't believe they are," or something like that. They could be any old rebels. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, they look a lot like the rebels from Episode Six on Endor, where they're all wearing yeah. green camo. So, yeah. Blink Seven have- Star Wars crossover confirmed. <clears throat> oh. Actually, normal clothing. Uh, we're wearing some of those normal clo- clothing in the series. Uh, a first for Series B. <laughs> a first for Blake 7 in general. I mean, we'll get to what Callie and Villa are wearing pretty soon. <laughs> I wonder if normal clothing is like a function of low intelligence, though, because these guys... <laughs> these guys... <laughs> I mean, it's possible they, uh, there's some sort of weird, like... some sort Stupid of- Ray. Yeah, well, that, or I was going to say there's some sort of weird, like, cultural development where, I mean, you know, when you look at, like, ancient Rome or China, there was always, like, certain clothes that were reserved for royals or people of high social standing, so... That's basically true, like, now in America, I mean... Yeah, throughout history, so I I guess it would be, it wouldn't be too far off the beaten track to assume that that's still true in the Blake 7 future, kind of makes you wonder why Blake's crew is wearing such over-the-top outfits. Are they like some sort of really high social class in this well, system? Well, Blake definitely is. Blake is an alpha grade or class or whatever they call him. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, I know you're just sort of going out on a limb or just hypothesizing here, but what you're saying is probably the case considering how like rigid and, and defined these classes actually are. Mm-hmm. Well, logically speaking, they they got all their clothes on the liberators, right. so these are must be system clothes. These are the same clothes that you would mm-hmm. wear if you were a part of the system. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, I don't think I've ever thought of that, and yeah. it might help explain why the well, clothing why was so we, out there. And seriously, that's why they all dressed that way. <laughs> you know, when <laughs> during that episode <laughs> on Redemption, right, you know, right, those guards. They're wearing, like, banana suits (laughs) and lobster suits. I mean, but then it, like, begs the question, you know, it's amazing that these clothes, I mean, okay, before we saw Redemption, we were already amazed that the Liberator was, like, perfectly sized for these humanoid or human figures to operate. So that Mm -hmm. actually makes it even more impressive that there there were clothes on board basically exactly tailored to the the Liberator crew. (laughs) Yes. Well, I mean, we you also have to remember we haven't seen most of the liber- most of the liberator. We still haven't seen the damn treasure room. <laughs> yeah, we haven't seen the treasure room. I really <laughs> want to see the treasure room before the series is over, though I don't think I will. I don't think they're going to show it. Something spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> Trainer's sitting over there like. Mm. <laughs> but right, we we cut back to the the two guys and they head into the yeah. zone and they just get blown up. <laughs> Wait, I mean, okay, pause. Go back. Go back three seconds. We were talking about clothes. I want to mention Serverland's hat. Oh, right. So I think, I think this like is a... this is like what I think it's the first time hat. we've had like a, a non-functional hat. I mean, we've had helmets and we've had like the guards wearing their like 
visor hat things right. but this is the first i feel like the first non-functional hat in this entire series so far mm, the, what's a non-functional hat you something mean like that's just decorative? like decorative yeah i mean aren't all hats functional uh you lose all the heat through your head man <laughs> Gotta retain that heat. <laughs> well, what's what's definitely non-functional is that giant dragonfly thing that Servalan <laughs> wears near the end of this episode. Damn it! You stole my rating. <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> all right, all right. I apologize. But, uh, but in, in point of fact, I think I recall another hat. So I don't have hmm. to email in on this one. Oh, okay. You're not going to end recording and then send an angry email like, Dylan, <laughs> there's another hat in Blake 7. And like an Am attached I, picture link. I think the president from that planet with the old-timey car. Oh, uh, from what, Bounty? When he Bounty. was driving around in his coat and tails, didn't he have some kind of fancy hat too? Mm, I like couldn't tell did. you. I don't Honestly, remember. I couldn't remember. If he was, he I might have been we'll wearing some sort to, of riding cap. We might have to pause the podcast and rewatch that episode. <laughs> Go back and rewatch and all back. about you right now. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Why not? Hmm. Um, because it would take too long. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why not? Is because we'd be here for another like three hours. <laughs> So these two guys, it's like one of them is like the rookie guy, and right. the other one is like the veteran guy. And it's the veteran guy's idea to wander around into a minefield. <laughs> yeah. yeah it is. He, he tells the, the rookie that he's too, long to, too, too young to have lost his nerve yet, which, you know, leads to their death in like a minute time. But <laughs> Yeah, Silverline so and Travis kind of just watch them walk into this minefield and blow up on the screen with a lot of joy. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Brian Crouches is doing his usual kind of slightly overacting routine, but still pretty good. Yeah, you know, I wasn't a fan of Brian Croucher's acting in this. I thought the acting in this story was great. Some of the best we've seen on Blake 7 so, so far, especially from Gareth Thomas, Paul Darrow, uh -huh. and from David Jackson. But Brian Croucher was just, uh, he was just, I don't know. I don't know, man. That's interesting. I actually liked Brian Croucher in this episode. I thought yeah. it was. I liked Brian Croucher in this episode, huh. like, a lot. Yeah. Huh. All right. You're then. wrong, kid. You're wrong. <laughs> You're outvoted. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I thought he played it, like, really well. I mean, he wasn't super menacing, but I feel like you were kind of scared because he, he seemed like he was starting to come unhinged, and I thought Brian Croucher, like, played that really well. Yeah, it's my made... turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe I'll have to go back and watch it with the mindset that he's he's getting more and more unhinged. Truth. I mean, it's like every time Blake defeats him, he like loses more of his sanity because that's like the worst thing that could ever happen to him is Blake defeating him and getting away. And it like has constantly happened week to week that Blake just completely slips through his fingers. So. Right. And this episode is one of his biggest defeats yet. And, and even Servalan reprimands him, even though she's the one who's sort of been on his I mean, she, side. She reprimanded time. him in Project Avalon, too. That didn't get us anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, that means he can't get promoted for like a year until the, the reprimand drops oh off. Oh, no. <laughs> no one even wanted him in the space security force when when he was introduced. So, oh, no. He's not getting promoted. He's going to get a bad personnel review. <laughs> There's also, also another thing about Ryan Croucher's Travis in this episode is his eye patch looks even more just janky and and not done well it looks more like just a patch of duct tape than ever 
I, at one point, it looked like it was starting to peel off his yeah. face. Yeah. I think you're right about that. <laughs> <laughs> it was questionable. But, you know, we look past those kind of things on this show. After right, we, we call them out and make fun of them, then we move past them. Right. And uh, yeah, I should I've... talk about Servland's massive collar that she seems to have not discarded since... When did she last appear? The one with the clones was two, like two weeks ago. Uh, weapon. weapon. That thing looks sharp. I mean, if you if she disagreed with somebody too vigorously, she could put her eye out on that thing. <laughs> yeah, I think my only note for this ep- this episode was uh, Servland with another fashion statement there. <laughs> I mean, you said her hat wasn't functional, but maybe all of her clothing is secretly weaponized. Maybe, she maybe she's like Odd Job from James Bond. <laughs> she throws her hat and to chop people's heads off. <laughs> I mean, we don't know. Maybe she wasn't pushed far enough to use it in this episode. She was pushed pretty <laughs> she far. She was pushed though. pretty far. I was gonna say, <laughs> I would have used it first thing on Travis if I was Servaland. I would have used it Maybe. on Jenna later on. <laughs> also true. <laughs> Maybe the hat's a big moon disc. <laughs> she just keeps her pet on her head. I mean, nothing wrong with that. That's how you keep birds. I mean, if you're a fancy bird owner, bird just chills on your shoulder. Or if you're a guest, the brown. Oh, yeah. Or if you're a pirate, I was going to say. <laughs> All right, so we cut to the Liberator crew, and, and Blake's, well, Blake's really talking up his his new foolhardy plan about going to Earth. Right, they're, they're planning on returning to Earth, finally. And for once, and, uh, literally we're recording everyone. recording this on Earth Day, so very yeah. appropriate. Yeah, yeah, we actually are recording this on Earth Day. I was going to say for once actually literally everybody on the Liberator is like Blake that's a dumb idea how about we don't do that <laughs> well, the thing is he when he, he originally told them that they were just going to fly by Earth and check it out yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he's like no no we're, we're going down and Gan is actually the one who says well it'd be a waste not to go down <laughs> well because I think Blake says he's going to go down alone and then everyone else is like what and Blake's like I don't need to drag you guys into this and then they're like, right, we're coming with you. <laughs> and Blake's like, no, no, no. And Gan's like, it would be a waste not to go down. <laughs> little does he know, little does he know. So Gan in this is probably <laughs> Federation agent, as this episode <laughs> reveals. You know, <laughs> you know, his death, He he. there's no possible way he could have been killed by that amount of, of rubble. You know, it looked very light, and it was just some, a little, little bit of sand and... Uh, uh, you know some beams, so uh, Good pretty sure he's not actually yourself. dead. <laughs> no, no. I think he's Spoilers. dead. I think the big twist is that Gand isn't actually as strong as he claims to be. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a there's some snappy dialogue between Blake and Avon when no one's in the room except for Blake and Avon, and Avon's like, "Yeah, you know, if you overthrow the Federation, somebody's gonna have to rule the new government." And Blake's like, "And," and Avon's like, "You would be the obvious choice." <laughs> Blake's like, oh, would I? And what? Butter, why butter, are you butter. backing me, Avon? Avon's like, well, with you running the everything on Earth, somebody has to take care of everything up here. Blake's like, oh, you want the Liberator, don't you? Avon's like, yeah, I'll have a chance soon enough. And Blake's like, hell, no hurry. <laughs> and this this was really one of the best scenes in the episode for me and one of the best scenes in Blake 7 overall. I thought the acting was just great and just this one character moment between... Blake and Avon, mm-hmm. you know, Avon's still antagonistic. He's still planning on either taking the Liberator or, well, actually, Gunning yeah, just, Blake just down take, yeah. Cold blood. <laughs> so I, I, I just really liked it. Yeah, no, I really liked it too. I th- it was one of my favorite scenes of the show so far. And, yeah, um, it's, a, it's a big one. Yeah, and I, I think you're probably trying not to 
spoil anything, Reno, <laughs> but, you know, watching this after having watched the series, there's probably a lot more to say. Uh, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, I haven't watched anything past this, although I basically know exactly what's coming, unfortunately. I mean, Chris Boucher is a... Uh... Chris Batch is no stranger to foreshadowing, right? So this scene being here, there's like there's clearly something that's going to happen as a result of things that were said and done in the scene. Like it's very clearly foreshadowing something. I mean, not uh-huh. that I know what happens, but I'm saying that Chris Boucher clearly knows what's going on. Terry Nation knows what's going on, and they're clearly throwing this in to, <laughs> to, to tip everyone, to, to kind of tip their hand to everybody about what's going to happen. Right. And you know, we give we give Terry Nation a lot of flack for being kind of a garbage writer of dialogue, but I, you know, I, I actually do think Terry is to an extent a pretty smart guy. And to <laughs> to the extent that it, I think he actually does plan out like the overarching plot of the show. So I I, I actually do think at this point he knows what's going to happen yeah. coming up. Yeah, there I he's mean, a, all right, go on. He's a big ideas guy. Maybe mm-hmm. he doesn't always know what the details are, but he's got the the big ideas. Right, right, and and I mean, I was just thinking about this the other day, but looking back at series A, that was there. Series A is actually like very well plotted. It's very like deliberately plotted. Mm-hmm. The points where just Travis and Servland show up and things like that, and what you get in between, and just how things play out, the different character moments and sort of beats, I guess, in each episode, yeah, uh, is actually like very careful and and well done. I was just, I was just thinking about that the other day, even though we might have given it flack while actually watching that season. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was really surprised you guys hated Orag. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good episode. <laughs> uh, I think we just maybe got our expectations up a bit too yeah, much. Yeah, maybe. Because we'd heard a lot about like Blake Seven season finales being like really good. And then when Orak was just sort of, I don't know. It was Orak. <laughs> Orak, sure. <laughs> I guess that is the most mundane of the season finales that they have. Sure, sure. I guess there's something to do that. I guess they figured just the introduction of Warak would be big enough. Well, kind of really gets only exciting halfway through that episode when they're all running away and then... Yeah, I mean, I think we mentioned it. I I liked the parts that actually had Orak as like a major part of the scene or whatever, but that was, you know, not most of the episode. <laughs> Speaking of Orak, he like doesn't show up in the story except when Blake mentions, hey, thanks to Orak, I know basically more about control than anyone in existence except the president of the Federation. Right. We didn't actually mention what their sort of goal is, so they're trying to get to um, Federation Control, which is this compound that houses a computer that is 200 years old that controls everything. By compound, everything. you mean parking garage. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that uh, basically controls Federation operations. We also get in this scene that the Federation began its conquest and expansion 200 years ago, so mm-hmm. still don't know when it was formed or anything like that, but they definitely began their sort of imperialist-type conquest and expansion 200 years ago. Right. So Blake intends to basically go down and destroy control because apparently, you know, you destroy control, you destroy the empire. He's kind of really hoping that this isn't a Hydra situation where you cut off one head and two more grow back. He's really hoping that you cut this head off and it dies. <laughs> but, I mean, control is, and then they they say this in this scene, it's sort of uh, an inv- you know an open invitation to anyone who even wants to try and get anywhere near it right because it's so heavily guarded well supposedly as far as we know at this point it kind of reminds me of foundation by isaac asimov and foundation the the human empire is run from 
this one planet whose name I'm actually forgetting right now, but that one planet is like the sole purpose of that planet is government administration and government working. It has, it has, uh, it has like no food production of its own. It doesn't produce anything. It's only for government. So they have to import all the food and all the water and all the energy. And so in foundation, you know, people are, people start to realize that if you just kind of cut off supply lines to the, to the main planet, the entire human empire will fall apart because the government will fall apart and, <laughs> There's just one really smart guy who realizes this 200 years before it happens and tries to tell everyone that it's going to happen and they don't listen to him, so. <laughs> Kal-El. Yeah. <laughs> Classic foundation. Classic Isaac Asimov. Good, good books, those, actually. I really like them. It seems like really poor planning on the, the government's part to... <laughs> Well, there's like, so when you read the books, you're like, when, you, when they first introduce that concept, you're like, okay, right, sure. Like, the, and like anyone going. would do this. And then, but then later on, when they're explaining like the history of the empire and how it came to be, you start to realize that it actually kind of makes sense. Yeah, okay. Just like Rogue One. Yeah. Kind of like Rogue One, where you're like, where is this going? Okay, it makes sense. Still haven't watched Rogue One. Still, you still should it. watch Rogue One. Supposedly the best of the Disney Star Wars movies, as I've been told by multiple people now, but still haven't watched it. It's fantastic. All right. And I'm not a fan of 7 and 8, if I haven't mentioned it. You're not? I'm, no, not really. I mean, I, I like them, but I like basically I like the prequels more than 7 and 8. Hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, Drano. Wow. I despise. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I think I'm the one outnumbered now. <laughs> Seven and eight are far superior to the prequels, in my opinion. Rogue One right, I think that my, cements Rogue Drano is, is taking your place, favorite. Dylan. Well, uh, <laughs> I think Rogue One might be the, the, the second best Star Wars movie. Oh, wow. Star Wars. Wow. After what? Empire? Uh, actually, I like New Hope best. Oh, okay. All right. That's, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that opinion. <laughs> That's still acceptable. <laughs> All right, so Blake and his posse decide to beam down, but they come up with the most convoluted teleportation scheme in existence because Blake and Gan are going to go down first, and then Jenna and Villa... Jenna and Villa? Was it Jenna and Villa? No, Avon and Villa. Avon and Villa. Uh, the girls stay later. behind. No, no girls allowed. Yeah. <laughs> girls stay up on the ship. Yeah. Incidentally, I just wanted to mention that I was really disappointed when Blake tells the crew to put him down three times and nobody steps in with a snappy insult. <laughs> <laughs> well, Avon already, Avon, Avon had basically already verbally murdered Blake already in this episode, <laughs> and, and Avon was still licking his wounds from Blake's reciprocal verbal murdering. So, <laughs> and Blake just laughing at his face like, "You want the liberator?" <laughs> It's mine and you're not going to get it. <laughs> Blake's increased cavalier attitude basically throughout this show. Right. Probably going to oh, get him oh, killed. And, and I think we should also mention the, the deal he strikes with the crew that if there's more than a 50% chance that the mission will fail, that he says that he'll call it off. Yeah, and right. for some reason the crew agrees yeah, to for, give Blake sole discretion in this matter. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> well yeah. for some reason, they don't question him. And, you know, as soon as he said that, I was like, that's not, he's just saying that to appease them. I mean, there's no way, he, as soon as he gets down on that planet, there's no way he's coming back, like, empty-handed mm -hmm. or without something happening. 
Yeah. yeah. So and they actually they do wait because they don't they haven't gotten the signal yet, and we'll explain what who Kasabi is. And well, yeah. Stuff so Kasabi gets captured by Silverland and Travis. That's why they don't get the signal. Right. Continuing the trend of no one in Blake Seven have having any peripheral vision. They're just walking through the forest, and Travis and Serverland are standing like right there on top of a hill. No, no, not even Travis. Oh, right, it's not just Serverland yeah, in a right. white dress with a couple of mutoids. <laughs> oh, right, there's mutoids in this. I wanted to mention that because I don't think we've seen mutoids since series A. Duel? After duel, this is the story. After duel, they showed yeah. up in duel, and then they showed up whichever one was after duel, and then I don't think we saw them again until right. now. They, they just kind of saw big, the guards. Yeah, they don't play a big part in this, but they're there. And apparently, two of them can take out like a whole platoon of guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, so if I just tells them to open fire, and they just gun down this entire platoon of rebels. So, except for except for Kasabi, who Servalan has actually explained this whole backstory. But apparently, when Servalan was part of the she was, space when she was security a cadet. force, when she right. was a cadet, she was paired with Kasabi, and she sold Kasabi out to move up the ranks, basically. Yep. Also, this whole conversation to me. The way that Serverland is wording things, the way she's kind of implying things and winking uh, verbally at Travis, really lends credits to my theory that she just slept away up the ranks, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yeah, become, that becomes more and more apparent with each episode, and, and also the fact that, you know, she... she uh, Not that she doesn't deserve to be in the position she's in, because she's pretty much the only successful villain on this show so far who keeps getting undermined by Travis, and she's like an incredibly intelligent... Uh, leader and the sexiest federation officer i've ever had the pleasure of working with yeah according to <laughs> Carn- carnell carnell <laughs> yeah but right they sort of interrogate and torture kasabi we don't really get that on screen but well they, we kind of drug do. her i mean we they get like the interrogation her. but we don't get like the 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 drugging and the torture that they imply happens yeah uh, but, you know, inject- she's not she's not talking they inject her with some sort of truth serum and then eventually she gives up how the, the, the transmitter works. Right, because she has a transmitter that's uh, going to transmit to the Liberator and give them a specific coordinate and a specific code or something, mm-hmm. which will clue them into you know, where they need to go. Mm-hmm. Now, I like this bit because I think it's Travis that, because Serverland wants to just go ahead and use the transmitter, right? And Travis goes, no, no, we can't just use it. We have to find out if, if where it's supposed to transmit from and, right, you know... If there's a pattern. Yeah, because Serverland just wants to use it and Travis says, no, no, if we use it from the wrong place, if we send the wrong signal, then Blake will know something's up. So we have to figure out how to properly yeah. signal Blake. Right. And yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Travis coming at this from sort of a military mindset, whereas Serverland is maybe just, well, she's a politician based now at least. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Interesting. So, so they're, they're they, they get to, the information right, out of the Liberator crew's about to leave actually because they're not getting the transmission. Yeah, Blake actually sticks yeah. to his word. They don't get the transmission for two hours. He says, "Okay, let's pack it in, let's leave." And then all of a sudden, as they're leaving, the transmission comes through. <laughs> yeah, so he and again uh, go down to Earth. Yeah, they send Blake yep. down a mile away from the rendezvous point, and then Blake kind of just looks around and then hides in a bush, and he's like, all right, send Gan down with a lock on my position. I'm like, you moved like five feet. Do they really need to lock onto your position? (laughs) (laughs) Down and safe, boys. (laughs) So they sort of wander around for a bit, and they come across a ruined church. Yeah, this seemed to me... 
I think was the weakest in the episode because I feel like the scene was the most time wasty. I guess. Well, you mean the one where they explain the the church? Or yeah, the one where they no, no, the one where they explain the thing church. called church. <laughs> yeah, where, <laughs> right. where Blake's like, "This is a church," and Gan's like, "What's a church?" And Blake's like, "It's where they used to meet for religious activities, <laughs> but the Federation destroyed them all when they t- started their <laughs> empire two hundred years ago." And Gan's like, "Wow, that's kind of cool." <laughs> No, I thought Blake said, well, remember that Cygnus Alpha place where you were at, Gan? <laughs> remember, that like cult, that. Gan? <laughs> remember that cult, Gan? Remember that cult? Remember that guy with a beard? A purple shower curtain? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I just thought this was the weakest scene of the episode. Because it didn't really... All it revealed is that the Federation started its, like, conquest 200 years ago but other than that it's and that they pretty inconsequential and that they have put in place some sort of religious control mm-hmm. which we already sort of knew from horizon mm-hmm. to some extent at least mm-hmm. gotta worship brian blessed <laughs> oh i already do that so you know. <laughs> yeah, i pray to my house god brian blessed every night <laughs> So, so Gan finds, uh, finds some poopies on the wall. Right. He, he, runs, his, <laughs> <laughs> he runs his hand along a, a column or something, and I guess, is, it, is this blood or like mm. what exactly? Looks like, poopies. <laughs> it looks like poopies to me. <laughs> well, he just looks at his hand and goes, that's weird. <laughs> they never really touch on that. No, yes, he yeah. says something like, it looks like someone has gone here or been here or something. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. Oh, no. This territory has been marked. <laughs> so Gan and Blake meet Kasabi's daughter. Yeah, he was just sort of chilling in this yeah. church. Ruined. I guess what used to be a church basement because they sort of go to an underground area. Mm-hmm. And she's knocked out, but she's still alive. And then she tells them this fantastic tale about how she escaped <laughs> mm-hmm. Servalan and Travis. All the rest of the rebels were killed, mm-hmm. but she was able to escape and yep. signal Blake uh, because that's what her mom wanted. And none of this is suspicious at all because Blake is just blindly trustworthy of any rebel he finds. You, you skip something, though. You skip the part where they walk in and she's knocked out. So Blake goes over and drapes her hair in her face, and then Gan rips her shirt open and abrades the skin off her arm with a portable sheet sander. (laughs) (laughs) And she says no like 30 times. No. Oh, God. No. Well, I mean, here's the thing. It's Gan. And yeah, I'm surprised that limiter hadn't kicked in yet. <laughs> I was going to say, we've all had these theories about what Gan actually did. Right, and this episode just firmly cements how Gan is just a, a Federation man, just a, an inside agent. And rapist of woman. <laughs> <laughs> to quote Alien to quote 3. Alien 3, that master line you of dialogue from Alien woman. 3. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's terrible. We forgot to mention Villa's, the, like, yellow outfit. Right, we didn't mention... Villa's wearing like this sash thing, but he's not wearing it properly. So, you know, there's no way he could ever be mayor. <laughs> mayor of the Liberator. I would elect Villa mayor out of everyone on the Liberator. Oh, yeah, I would elect Villa mayor. Actually, I would elect Cali mayor. I feel like Villa has the most charis- charisma. 
I was about to say has the most charismatic. No, Villa has the most charisma in my Actually, opinion. if I were to, if me, I had to if I had to like place my life in the hands of anyone on the Liberator, it would be Callie. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Not Jenna. Mm. No, Callie just seems more trustworthy to me. Probably based on the fact that she's like actually kicked some butt on the show more than Jenna, at least recently. And also oh. Callie is telepathic, so that's a good skill to have. Yeah, but it's Callie that's always conspiring with Blake to take the crew places without telling them. And uh, that was like two times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean Jenna. Taken over by aliens. <laughs> yeah, but I mean Jenna for all of Series A. Jenna was the was the one who basically always went along with Blake's plan, no matter how foolhardy it was. It wasn't really till like last week that Jenna was like, "Blake, you're kind of getting real like cavalier about this." Yeah, this is that's why this and Horizon like really highlight just how insane blake is getting because you know even jenna and gan to an extent not as much though are sort of you know not on board with them anymore yeah so i guess it doesn't matter in the case of gan since he croaks (laughs) (laughs) well so then uh, so avon and villa go down well okay so this i want to mention this because it's funny gan sort of pulls blake over to the side and he's like Blake, our plan has failed. We need to get out of here ASAP. And Blake's like, no, Damn no, no. Right. What you don't understand, Gan, is that now that we've completely botched this, we actually have the upper hand here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the best part about this is Gan just doesn't... Do Gan anything. doesn't argue this point. He just accepts this absolutely clearly false statement as fact. Mm. It's like when you're playing yeah. chess and you lose your queen and then you turn to your buddy and you're like, no, 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 this was all part of my plan. <laughs> yeah, Blake yeah. goes like... We also have uh, Blake, he keeps doing status reports up to the Liberator and, you know, the first time he calls up, every single time he calls up, Avon's like, okay, did you find Kasabi? <laughs> he just doesn't answer him. Avon's <laughs> like... Did you find Kasabi? Yeah, where's Kasabi? <laughs> Avon's like, no, no, this is not right. No. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, like you mentioned, Villa and Avon go down. They actually go down to the Forbidden Zone. And then they get beamed out of there to where Blake and Ken are, like, just in the nick of time. Yeah, so have we seen people getting teleported from place to place before? I don't think we have. No, I don't think so. Because we've seen, you know, between planet and liberator, liberator planet. Mm -hmm. But I don't Mm -hmm. think we've seen, like, planet and other place on the planet. If I remember correctly. I don't think we have, because I think I asked a question about whether or not that was possible like three or four weeks ago. And it is. Surprise. Surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Just making the Liberator more and more powerful from week to week. I mean, there's no reason why you wouldn't be able to do it. I mean... No. It's just... I mean, you could just... Yeah, you could just beam them to the Liberator and then beam them somewhere else without ever actually materializing them on the Liberator, so... Even yeah. if you could only go to the Liberator and down, you could still be point to point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but they, they discover, like, the Forbidden Zone's defense mechanisms, which is mm-hmm. like a self-repairing network of mines, basically. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're teleported out like, just in time. It's like one of those, uh, those big electrical tennis rackets that you swat bugs with. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a big bug zapper. Big bug zapper for with with rebels. the yeah with the Rebel moth scum <laughs> with the moth light being the promise of destroying the Federation I guess yeah <laughs> so they well the posse meets up 
the men of the Liberator meet up. Yeah, no girls allowed on this operation. No. Damn right. Yeah, well, the Callie and Jenna should just run away with the Liberator at this point. <laughs> Blake's gone insane. They just steal it right, on, right under <laughs> Avon's nose. Blake's gone insane. Gan is on a suicide run, basically. Avon wants to kill Blake and most of the other Liberator crew. Villa's the only like good guy down there on the surface, and Callie and, and Jenna really don't need him in the end, so... <laughs> It could be Callie's two from now on, or Jenna's two. <laughs> well, don't forget Zen and Orax would be Callie's four. Yeah. Well, actually, I guess we're not counting Orac. He doesn't get a number, so. Well, we can count Orac now that Gan's gone, so we can maintain that seven oh, sure, balance. Right. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for dying, Gan. I will return the show to its uh, <laughs> former glory of only seven members. <laughs> So then, what, Blake comes up with this convoluted plan, or Avon comes up with this convoluted plan to run through the minefield? Well, they discover that Kasabi's daughter is... Lying, lying. through her teeth. <laughs> yeah, which not sure... Well, well, but they have the long discussion about how close they can get teleported to the door. Mm-hmm. And then I think while they're talking about all that is when uh, somebody has some really bad gas <laughs> and it knocks them all out. <laughs> yeah. Gan, no, no. And someone steals no. all their teleporter bracelets. Then they're like, well, I guess we're not teleporting to the door. I think Tasabi's <laughs> daughter steals them, actually. Yeah, she she's the yep. one who, who you know, gasses them, I guess. She doesn't, like, tie yeah. them up or anything, does she? No, because they no. get knocked out, and she just she steals the bracelets, like you mentioned. Yeah. Not the, the bracelets, but not their guns, for some reason. Huh. <laughs> also a good point. <laughs> yeah, she, she uh, we, as we find out in a couple of minutes, she's uh, pretty torn up about having to do this. So, you know, maybe she left the guns intentionally or, or something. She's undermining the plan, really, from the inside. So, yeah, then they wake up and then they're like, well, I guess we're not teleported to the door. Now we'll have to run through the minefield. And uh, <laughs> Keon they- tweeted out, like, th- this week about how Avon always holds his gun like it's some sort of old-timey six-shooter. And I really yeah. noticed it in this episode, yeah. like, right now. W- once you realize that, it's really hard not to notice it. <laughs> and... uh <laughs> I mean, looks I think. Cool. Yeah, go on. It looks cool. Yeah, it does. And Paul Darrow was a huge fan of westerns, so I'm pr- that's why he does it. I'm pretty sure. So, not that or, it really like makes sense in the context no. of the Liberator gun. No. On on a Blake Seven in character, which is sort of a new Blake Seven podcast, yes. they they sort of try and justify it by like the Liberator gun's light shines in his face and he has to shield his eyes. But. Except in this episode, it's really obvious <laughs> that his left arm is actually holding his right arm and not the gun, so. Yeah. <laughs> that explanation immediately falls apart upon closer I mean, they, they were just joking. They weren't actually trying to like justify it. <laughs> What's the recoil? <laughs> I don't think there is any recoil on those guns. Yeah, well, I wonder. I wonder how heavy a Liberator gun is. They look extremely light. And I mean, there's I mean, they also look extremely light because they're like a toilet paper tube taped <laughs> yeah. to like a peanut can, painted black with a pen light inside. Yeah, you know, I I think I mentioned this before, but I watched the Blue Peter segment on how to make a Lake Seven. Teleport, teleport bracelet, braces. and uh-huh. I'm pretty sure upon closer inspection of the season two teleport bracelets, I'm pretty sure they followed those instructions, like to make the, the tele, you know, just a, a cardboard tube and some plastic and foam. Yeah. Ooh. Have you made one yet? Did no, I one? haven't. No. No, we'll make one on our finale. Yeah. <laughs> we'll make our finale. We'll a record video on episode. the. We'll beam up to the liberator and record on the liberator for our last episode. <laughs> 
Wonder if the acoustics will sound okay in there. <laughs> that sure that bridge is quite a high ceiling open we can, room. We can record in the treasure room. We can see the treasure room for ourselves. <laughs> they're obviously not going to show us on the show. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, they they get to the minefield and they have this plan, I guess, which is <laughs> okay. Plan is a very <laughs> loose term for this. Because Avon's like, I'll just shoot the mines to trigger the activation sequence, and then you can just run through them behind yeah, the explosion. You'll have eight seconds to get through or something. And Blake's like, sounds good, I'll go first. <laughs> I just want to reiterate here that they've been ambushed, knocked out, somebody stole all their teleporter bracelets, and they're still choosing to go forward with a frontal assault <laughs> on control. <laughs> yeah, so much for that 50% chance of failure, and we'll call it off, Blake. Yeah. <laughs> Say your chance of failure right now is at like 92% or something. Yeah, that's. I'm pretty sure that conversation is not even running through Blake's mind at this moment. Well, it is through Jenna and Callie. They're like, why are they not responding? There can't possibly be a malfunction in all four bracelets. <laughs> yeah, there's like, it's been two hours. Da, da, da. And I, I am disappointed that Avon is not, you know speaking up more about this being a really poor <laughs> really <Right>. poor decision <laughs> i'm more disappointed that orac the computer hooked into literally every federation computer didn't a know that spoilers control isn't actually on earth and b didn't know that serverland and travis were on earth with this plan i mean orac is literally hooked into every computer in the federation and they didn't think to ask him if they were about to be ambushed <sighs> Orac poses a lot of storytelling problems now that I'm starting to realize this in that because Orac is hooked to literally every Federation computer, there isn't really a reason why Blake and his crew should ever get ambushed ever again, since there has to be at least one communication between someone about Blake and ambushing yeah. him somewhere, right? Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's been there's been established instances where Orac says the information isn't available, or that he's still trying to get it, but can't get it, or just doesn't want to help him out. Just doesn't feel right, like right. helping him out. <laughs> yeah, time. exactly. And that's you know that's. I mean, I guess if you really try and pick it apart, like sure, but that's I mean, not something I'm too concerned about. But we never even see Blake ask about it. Is the thing? Yeah. Right? So maybe you didn't ask. But then that's a fault on Blake. Why is Blake sure. not asking? <laughs> Well, no, no, I mean, Blake said at the beginning of the episode that thanks to Orac, he knows everything about control, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so, but that, that actually undermines your point then, because if he knows everything about control, he should know control's not on Earth, right? Well, he, he, he knows everything that he can know about control. So. Well, he yeah, said he knows yeah. everything, he knows more about control than everyone except the Federation president himself. And well, Travis, he kn Travis clearly knows the control's been moved, and like so does Silverland and most of the other like low-level Federation guards who live on Earth, apparently. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just, I mean, Blake isn't some sort of omniscient, you know, guy, right? But Orac is, is my point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he, I mean, he knows, knows. All, yeah, he, exactly. He, he doesn't know what other people really know. He knows all he can know. So, I mean, that's not something I'm too concerned about with this story, so. Yeah. Mm. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Just chill. <laughs> no. Not letting this go. <laughs> anyway, they run through. Blake runs through safely. Wait, I know what the problem is. What's that? Well, Dylan probably didn't see any plot holes in episode eight either. So Which one was no. episode eight? Yeah, I don't remember what episode eight was. Uh, episode eight was called The Last Jedi. Oh. oh no, I saw plot holes in that. <laughs> episode 8 of Blake 7. I was like, I don't remember which one that was. No, I saw plot holes in that. 
uh, you just didn't care. The plot holes in that I felt like there were is, less than the plot holes in the prequels, in my to, opinion. There, so no, there to me. I mean, <laughs> as someone who like studies literature, I think that people really overplay the concept and importance of like a plot hole. And with, in terms of episode eight, there's a lot more wrong with that movie than like some of the weird <laughs> plot stuff. There's a lot more wrong with that movie. Anyway, uh, so course correction. <laughs> No, I definitely saw plot holes in that movie. I didn't like it as much as eight. I still like it more than the. I mean, I didn't like it as much as seven, but I still like it more than the prequels. So, um. anyway, Villa and Gan. Villa goes running through the mines, and Gan decides to yeah. run through the mines too. And I was like, "This is it. Gan's eating it right here because of his own stupid decision." <laughs> yeah, I mean, but he makes it through. So, <laughs> funny that it's the idea when when you know he's gonna die this episode, but you don't know how. It's like, how's it gonna happen? <laughs> is it gonna happen now? I know it's gonna happen now. Gan's gonna just run him in the mines. He's gonna blow him up. We're gonna see him go flying across the screen. <laughs> I was like, "This is it." <laughs> Okay, at least he, uh, I wanted to mention this, at least he wore his full-length robe for at least part of this episode. <laughs> Gotta get in one more instance of the full-length robe. But yeah, knowing that Gan is gonna die in this episode and not knowing how, there's a, there are at least, like, two fake-outs, two major fake-outs. Uh, and, and this is Avon. Well, then I was like, Avon's eating it right now, too. <laughs> Here we go. Avon's, Avon's about to eat it. Because Avon trips, and there's explosions going off all around him. And, yeah. and Blake makes the shot. He shoots the, the wiring again mm -hmm. to keep it from repairing itself. And he almost hits Avon. And yeah, things are Blake, chaotic. Blake saw his opportunity to basically off this threat to his power, but he doesn't take it. Or he's just a bad shot. <laughs> oh, I mean, he could have just missed completely intentionally, and then uh, yeah, like he could have missed the wires right. intentionally too, and then just just oh, sorry, Gan, sorry, Bill. I just I just missed. I I tried really hard. Some bits of Avon flying around. <laughs> well, maybe he still needs him to hack through the computer, something or other. I don't know. Right, Avon at the beginning of this episode actually says that Blake is going to need him to get through the Federation's computers, but then they never really do anything with that. Well, because the computers are gone. My interpretation of control, based on what Blake says, is that control is actually a big computer that yeah, makes all the decisions about yeah, everything. that's yeah. what it is. So they needed Avon to get into control itself, is huh. what okay, yeah, I thought they meant by that. Yeah. They're going to hack the system? Yeah. Or are just going to blow it up? I don't know. I just assumed that he was taking Avon along so that they could like get uh, into control and get something out of control. Huh. I don't know. Well, I mean, if that is true, then it would make sense why Blake wouldn't want to lose Avon at this point. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so they get in. There are a couple of pretty cool shots, I actually thought, with them going down the ladder. I mean, I know it's sort of you know low budget and doesn't necessarily look that great, but <laughs> I really liked this descent because, you know, first they have they go down the ladder and it's just sort of a white... Uh, a wall i guess and then you know mm -hmm. as they continually go down it's the same set obviously but they have it's different lighting and i don't know i just really liked it just this sort of creepy thing you know they're going down far like into the earth and yeah i liked it just the repetition of it and then when they go back up to it's well, well we'll get there it reminded me a little bit of that doctor who episode where he ends up with the tardis inside his tardis and then they keep going uh, into the next tardis you remember that one yeah <laughs> what I was that remember. one called uh, well, was, was that one of them? Was that well, was the not the Master's he, Tardis? It, it was the Master's Tardis materialized yeah. the Tardis inside the Doctor's Tardis, and yeah. then each time they would go in, there would be like another Tardis inside that one. Yeah. And every time they'd go into a different Tardis, like the lights would get dimmer and change color and stuff. That was a Logopolis, I think. Mm, I don't. I honestly don't remember. 
But it was cool, whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> it reminded me of that. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh... And in the very last TARDIS, it turns out there wasn't a computer there because it had already been moved like <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, well, so they, they get to this hallway that's also mined, I guess. Yeah, yeah this, okay, this reminded me of the five doctors. <laughs> this reminded me of the five doctors when there was that electrified floor panel and the monster just hops across it, and then the doctor's like, wait, how did yeah, you do that? Scotch. This reminded me of that. Blake just climbs across, and he's like, come on, guys, and then like, wait, what? Oh, the hopscotch <laughs> thing yeah. and the five yeah. doctors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when they're breaking into the tomb, Rassilon's tomb. Yeah. But luckily, yep. there's sort of a monkey bar type thing yes. running across. Critical design flaw. When you say sort of a monkey bar thing, you are of course referring to some monkey bars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there was a disgruntled yeah. Federation architect somewhere who was like, "Man, this is gonna be really funny when someone just jumps across this by using these monkey bars." And we'll we'll leave the one of these kind of halfway broken, so. <laughs> great <laughs> grab it and then fall down yeah well they all get across and then when gan's sort of coming across um you think gan's gonna eat it again because he like almost falls <laughs> yeah one of the bars sort of breaks and <laughs> and <laughs> yeah you think gan's gonna die here right here but he doesn't no he dies in like a way dumber way man <laughs> <laughs> so they get to the they get to the control room and it's just a big empty, it's literally just a big empty room. Yeah, well, Blake runs in, he's like, we've done it, I've done it, I've done it. Yeah, he goes crazy. <laughs> and then Avon, jazz hands. Yeah, Avon kind of puts his <laughs> hand on Blake's shoulders like, Blake, there's nothing here. <laughs> <laughs> this reminded me a lot of a TV show called Person of Interest, top five TV show for me of all time. But in Person of Interest, part of the whole plot of the first, or I think second season is that someone is looking for this really advanced AI machine that's stored in a warehouse somewhere, and then there's this big reveal when they get to the warehouse that the machine is gone and the machine moved itself. <clears throat> so. Yeah, this this episode actually, uh, I know someone out there wanted us to talk about some of the influences that Blake 7 has had and things we noticed from other shows, but this episode actually had a lot. A lot from this episode was taken and used in Firefly slash Serenity and also Eureka 7, which is, again, my... Is uh, an anime TV show and my favorite show of all time. Which I want. There's there's far too much to even go into because it's like a lot from this episode is taken and used on both of those shows. But I'll just point it out. I guess. I guess you will. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I looked up Eureka Seven on Wikipedia, and I was I did not see a single Blake Seven reference on there. There's, I mean, but probably, maybe you gotta see it. Probably, yeah. I, I think you have to see it, it and I think it. most people who like like that show don't even like know what Blake Seven is. Ah. <laughs> but if you watch it, there is actually a lot. Where can you watch it at? Means <laughs> ways and means. There are me, ways and means. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's it was. I know it was on Netflix a while ago. And it's not. I watched it years ago. And I have the whole thing on DVD and Blu-ray because I like it so much. But uh, you know, what? it's out there. You but just I think it's it to me. it might might be on Netflix. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. You have really good. for this episode. Which which character is the is the Avon on? There's there's not necessarily. I don't think there's necessarily analogs what? directly in terms of the characters. And I, I mean, I don't know if you watch a lot of anime, Drano, but if you don't, you might not like it. I haven't seen any anime Drano. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen it for a bit. Okay, yeah. It's a cool show. It's cool. Yeah, cool, cool. 
Yeah, I've never watched it. The only anime I've seen is uh, two episodes of Sword Art Online, and that was garbage. So. <laughs> One of the worst shows, like, ever <laughs> conceived. <laughs> Man, basically. <laughs> so, anyway, so what, what ex- on Firefly? Uh, uh, you said you think Firefly took some inspiration from this episode? Uh, Serenity, specifically, with the uh, uh, Reavers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that I've actually seen Serenity. I agree with that. Yeah, I can see the, the inspiration there. And Serenity, as most people probably know, a lot of ideas in that were for the were taken from the uh, supposed never produced, obviously season two of Firefly, or like they mm-hmm. were throwing ideas around for like if there was a season two of Firefly, you know, it would be in there. Which is why yeah. a lot of which is why the reveal sort of at the end of Serenity feels really rushed and not good because they just find this security footage kind of or yeah. like this documentary that tells them what's going on. But yeah. So is is Jane like a stupider Avon? What's the deal there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Less ambitious, I mean, maybe. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Mal is is uh, definitely a lot smarter than Blake. <laughs> yeah, a lot less reckless. Not, well, mm, in yeah, the episodes yeah, lot, I've yeah, seen. Yeah, a lot less. He's still he's reckless, but it's 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 easy to be reckless and still be less reckless than Blake. So. Yeah, especially can, in this episode. Yeah. He can be pretty cold-blooded, too. Yeah. Mal can. He, yeah. yeah. Like, I haven't watched Firefly in quite a while, but... Well, yeah. At one point, he does threaten to uh, uh, launch Jane out of yeah. airlock, I yeah, think. Yeah, I, I remember that very well, actually. And I seem to recall him shooting some dude in cold blood, but yeah, yeah. Where were we? Blake's <laughs> on the ground. There's nothing Blake. Travis walks in. He's like, well, looks like I won. I'm going to kill you. But then they do the same cop out they do every time Travis has a gun to Blake and that someone walks in with a gun to Silverland's well, back. Well, okay. So <laughs> Travis walks in and he tells Blake that uh, Federation control was moved like 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and that Blake is basically, they, they've been using this place as sort of a means to catch people and tra- trap Blake in this particular instance, but sort of as a, a beacon. I don't know what you Decoy. It's a decoy. Yeah, decoy, mm-hmm. right. And they've been playing up its importance and stuff like that. Yeah. And they basically just tell people control is still there because then people will go there and they can just trap them. Yeah. And and then, you know, Jenna walks in with a gun to serve lands back. And there's this scene, which I don't know if you guys caught it, because I had to... I, I didn't know what it... Like, at first... When I first watched it, I was like, what the heck is that? So I reround the episode like a minute or two. And You're talking about Silverlin like, in her office, right? Right. And and the, the, door the, opens. the door opens and he's like, what's that? And, and it's just like for the, it's a split second thing. And I was like, what the heck is that? And it's I guess Jenna. that's Jenna. So it's just, it, it was, was either, done so weirdly. Yeah. Well, it was, you know, they didn't want us to know. They didn't want us to be surprised. Right. But can't I, mean, you I don't really think they even wanted us to know tw- that. That wasn't really a twist. <laughs> Like I said, they do. Sure, there was a twist. It was called Gan. Oh, I was. I was gonna say every. I was gonna say every time Travis. It seems like Travis has them at gunpoint. Someone walks in with a gun to Silverland's back. So I mean, it happened in what Project Avalon? Blake came in with the robot who has the gun to them and the bomb that's gonna blow them up. Yes. And again, in in Orac, it was Avon. Yeah, in Orac, it was Avon. In Weapon, it was Michelle shooting and Blake. Blake. Yeah. So, yeah. but this time's different because Servaland is wearing a huge dragonfly thing. <laughs> I don't even it's like know. It's like a what wizard. This... Yeah. It's like a, it's yeah. Like, 
You're talking about the lizard holding her boobs up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like it weighs like 30 pounds or something like that. Hey, you gotta you gotta look smart. You gotta look sexy when you're running the space security force. I guess. Yeah, you can't know. can't run the Federation looking like a slob, and you know. I this... mean, Silverland is the best dressed character on the show. It's not hard, but sure. <laughs> I mean, season two, we got a lot of good outfits so far. Still a fan of Gan's full length robe. I actually like Avon's outfit. I like that wizard story. look. You like Avon's outfit in this story, in... the red one. Oh, really? Wearing. I really like a that. Of, a lot yeah. of fans don't like the lobster, uh, the lobster <laughs> suit. Not true fans. This is <laughs> not true okay. fans. I feel like this outfit basically encapsulates Avon like perfectly. I've always what? imagined Avon as someone who wears red, and now he's just wearing like huh. all red. It's perfect. Huh. So not so much the uh, into the uh, the black with uh, metal no. studs. No, that was the BDSM. That was like. <laughs> Yeah, the BDSM outfit. I kind of too, learned too much about no. Avon's free time from that outfit. Jesus Christ. Well, hopefully, hopefully we'll never see him in black with metal studs again. Probably never do that again. Uh, hopefully oh, they learn their lesson, but you know what? I'm not going to get my hopes too high. <laughs> yeah, if you're, if you're thinking that, uh, you know, 70s BBC TV making ever learns its lesson... <laughs> Then you're wrong. <laughs> you're just explicitly wrong. You're watching BDSM America. Oh yikes! <laughs> anyway, they just take all. They take the guns. They take the mutoids guns, and and they run out. Yeah. And tra- well, Travis hesitates because Kasabi's daughter is working with Jenna, and Jenna tells them that if they make a move, you know, Servalan will die. And Travis wants to kill Blake so much that he's considering risk. He's considering sacrificing Servaland to kill Blake, basically. <laughs> yeah, and then Servaland slaps him. She's like, my life was on the line and you hesitated. And uh, it sounds like this is going to be the end of that working partnership now. <laughs> yeah, based on, I don't know exactly based what comes also next. on what happens next, which is Travis pulling out a grenade and yeah. throwing it and caving them in. <laughs> Servaland's like, why would you throw that grenade? And Travis's like, I have to kill them. So he just throws the grenade. But at least there were some good sitcom-y moments at the end for Travis and Servland here. You know, can't have a Travis and Servland story without... Uh, can't have a Blake 7 episode without sitcom-y moments at the end. No, you can't. You really can't. I am disappointed in the chase out of there. We didn't get to see the mutoids on the parallel bars. No. <laughs> but what we do get to see is just... Gan falls over, and then we get shots of just falling rubble that have Gan nowhere in the frame. <laughs> and then we hard cut to Gan underneath rubble, like, I'm not worth dying for, leave me. Okay, so here's the thing. What I think this was supposed to be, and this was done really, like, not that well on screen, was that I think he was supposed to be holding up that door. And it yeah, he was holding up a door, yeah. 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 And then it sort of crushed him, and he tried to get out, but he was caught under the rubble. Which is fine, but, you know, they didn't... Yeah, but the way it comes across screen is that yeah. Gan escapes the door and then immediately walks two steps and gets crushed by a falling piece of rock. Falling piece of styrofoam. <laughs> <laughs> and then Gan is on the floor like, I'm not worth dying for, and Blake's like, yeah, I guess you're right, bye. No. <laughs> All right, I think you're really reducing this scene. I really liked this scene. Like, really liked it. Like, one of my favorites in Blake 7 so far. Wow. Other, other than the props, which were, I mean, Gareth Thomas and David Jackson in this scene were doing a really, they're doing as, as mm. the best job that they could of not moving the like paper thin <laughs> beams or whatever. So. 
I think my favorite bit is when uh, Gareth, I mean Blake, uh, uh, holds up Gan's head, and and Gan's eyes like get really wide open. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "I'm dead. I'm really dead." <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, I just like this as a moment for Blake. I mean, yeah. people give Gan a, a lot of flack, too. I, I actually do really like Gan overall, I guess. But I, I like this as a, as a moment for Blake, too. You know, massively failing. And then, mm. you know, maybe even if he doesn't care about Gan, because you can make the argument that he doesn't really care about any of them and just oh. uses them. But, you know, this Gan's death, either as a friend or just as a, a tool, is like maybe a... You know, this this reminder, this symbol of, like, his massive failure. Because not only does he come out empty-handed, he actually comes out with, you know, less than what he went in with, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, but I, I like, like, that's I like the exchange on, this, on the ladder as they're leaving. Somebody yeah. says, where's Gan? Like and Blake just says, Gan is dead. <laughs> and yeah. he just up the ladder. I really like that as well. Yeah, I was going to say it. Like, the impact on Blake is less the scene where he dies and more the off the scenes after it, like when he's on the ladder and when he's on the liberating. He tells Zen mm -hmm. to just get them out of the solar system and Zen's like, instruction unclear and Blake's like, just do it! Because mm -hmm. he's clearly torn up and upset. Like, I don't think any of that comes across in the actual scene where Gan dies. I feel like that all comes across after Gan is actually dead and then you see Blake reacting to it. I feel like the actual scene itself doesn't show any of Blake's reaction to it. Well, his face oh. is turned away from the camera, too, so... <laughs> oh, and it's happening, you know, there's probably some shock going on, so... Right. It doesn't necessarily surprise me. And and uh, this, this, the, the scene you just mentioned, actually, where he goes, Gan's dead, and, and, and the scene on the Liberator actually reminded me of uh, the, you know, the, the very first episode in The Way Back, No, I'm Coming Back, mm -hmm. is, like, mm -hmm. when, they, when they actually come back to Earth this is what happens and then he delivers that line just so matter-of-factly almost in the same tone if you go back and watch that episode uh, gareth thomas delivers it almost in the same tone as the no i'm coming back he goes uh -huh. again's dead and they leave i really liked that hmm. yeah <clears throat> then we get the sitcom moments between travis and Zoe. yeah <laughs> where serpent ends like you'll never you work cave, again travis you cave us in. like you caved us in travis like don't worry they'll dig us out eventually and serpent ends like yeah and like Two months. For you. Yeah. <laughs> then it ends. Then it ends. That's that's it. That's yep. the end of Gan. Get to see Gan's chair. A little Gan's shaped depression on it. We get to see uh, Anne go, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. And then Gan like, drops through the floor and disappears forever. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, Gan was the weakest link. I mean. Uh, he, was, he was a pretty strong guy. Was Maybe he though Blake with the limiter? It's really Blake's fault that Gan's dead. I mean, yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I never said it wasn't Blake's <laughs> fault. It's a hundred percent Blake's fault. <laughs> there and, were like twenty times Blake could have pulled them out of there and just called it, but he didn't. So, in yep. yeah, in in hindsight, I guess now I don't know how I feel about Gan overall as a character. I mean, I really liked him initially when I first watched Blake Seven before we started doing this podcast. I watched those first six episodes, and Gan was my favorite character. And the more we kept watching, you know, the more he kept getting sidelined and he didn't have any lines for a lot of the episodes. And mm -hmm. just, I th feel like his characterization, they didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. And Sometimes you just have a shot of him like drinking something or something <laughs> like that. Like, right. We still, don't, we still don't know so, what he was, uh, what he was studying for in Horizon even. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I guess we'll never know now <laughs> since he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm curious to see if they're even going to mention Gan's death next week or if they're just going to try and move on really quickly. Hmm. Yeah, because they've they've introduced a lot of things, or not introduced, but they've the episodic nature of the show. They've moved on from a lot, right? The, mm-hmm. the characters that they bring on the Liberator aren't on in the next episode because you know a decent amount of time passes, I guess, between each episode. And you know they never mention the moon disc or anything like that, or think other yeah. things they brought on the Liberator. So yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if they're even going to bring it up again, or if the next episode is just going to be a completely new thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, on the bright side, because Boucher's not going to have to try right in seven characters next week. He's only got to do six. Seven <laughs> if you include Orak. And, I mean, five, really, if you don't include Zen. I mean, what's Zen going to do? Zen's going to be like, okay, we're leaving now, bye. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, I almost feel like Orak just started being voiced by Peter Tunningham because he was like, man, I don't get to do anything in these episodes. <laughs> Not really going to miss Gan, to be honest. I mean, yeah, he was kind of cool, but at the same time, I feel like the show was a little bloated with seven characters. And I think you could tell at some point that they were having difficulty trying to find things for everybody to do, and that's why they started just ignoring some characters in some episodes. And I feel like they actually needed to cut some of the dead weight, and I think Gan was the most obvious candidate to do that for. I mean, yeah. His his character was too limited. (laughs) (laughs) That's also the thing, like, I found Gan's limiter to be, like, really interesting, especially when they first introduced it. Mm-hmm. And then they either just ignored it later on, or they couldn't decide what it actually did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I felt it was just a missed opportunity. I mean, I felt Gan's character overall is just wasted potential. He could have been one of the coolest members of the, of the crew. Right. Uh, so, I, uh, so if you guys had to write, if you guys were going to continue Gan as a character... How do you? What do you imagine his background would actually turn out to be with his limiter and all that stuff? What kind of reveal would you have? That's a good question. Um, well, I mean, I think his back. I think his backstory is far more sinister than what he was, you know, letting on in <laughs> in a Time Squad. Absolutely. Yeah, in my mind, the limiter doesn't do what he says it does. In my mind, the <laughs> limiter maybe doesn't even do anything. <laughs> I like to think that sneaky evil Gan when the limer is malfunctioning. I like to think that that's actually the real Gan. <laughs> well, I mean, we we always bring this up, but in Deliverance, you know, when Gan's like, I'm starting to enjoy this, when he really shouldn't yeah. be because of the limiter, that's like one of the things I always think about. And I'm like, well, maybe the limiter doesn't do what he claims it does, or the limiter just doesn't work at all. And it's like a cover story for mm-hmm. people to just like maybe sympathize with him. Like maybe he's actually like this evil mastermind who just wants... He just wants everybody to think he's like this cuddly love bug who's really strong and he's actually secretly like playing them all. Yeah. Maybe it's just a little metal hat he got to, you know, get people, get women to trust him so that, you know, if, if he's trying to load a big heavy couch into the back of his van, they'll, they'll get up there and help him put that couch in there. Maybe Gan was just a, uh, an inside man for the Federation the entire time. You know, he's the one who suggests going to Earth. He, uh... There's no possible way that that amount of sand and, let's face it, cardboard and styrofoam could have killed him. So, no, maybe he's working a comfy Federation job back on Earth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I continue Gan's story from here, Gan fakes his death here. And what if Gan a- came back as the new Travis? What if Travis got court-martialed and Gan became the new Travis? What if what if instead of Travis, it had been Raker all this time? Raker had survived <laughs> oh being shot out the airlock, but was like disfigured and stuff, and it was Raker that had been sent to hunt down Blake. 
<laughs> well, I think uh, what's Le- Leslie Schofield, I think is his name, mm-hmm. is <laughs> would do a better job as Travis than David or sorry uh, Brian Croucher. Honestly, again, I oh, still yeah. don't really see Brian Croucher as being good in this story. <laughs> but I maybe know. I'll have to go back and rewatch it. I just like his unhinged nature. <laughs> Honestly, it makes him more threatening. I think um, Stephen Grease Travis was starting to get stale and samey because uh, you never really felt like he was angry or upset or mad. He was just kind of, he was just forever just mildly irritated about everything, <laughs> really. <laughs> wow, so you actually like Brian Croucher's performance better than Stephen Grease's performance as Travis? So far, that's not to say Brian Croucher can't just completely tank it in the oh. next episode, which is entirely possible. I mean, I like most performances, and I like Travis as a character. But so far, you prefer Brian Yeah, Croucher I think I prefer the, uh, the, 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 the interpretation that Croucher is bringing to the role than grief. And you also like episode seven and eight. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I also like Batman v Superman, but you, know, you haven't brought that up yet, so. <laughs> That's a more <laughs> egregious mark on my fan card, I guess. Thank you. I think you might be a Federation agent. <laughs> <laughs> I started this podcast as a Federation sympathizer. Oh, no. <laughs> the, the cat is out of the bag. <laughs> well, I'm not a Blake sympathizer by any means. So you're also a Federation sympathizer. No, I, you... no, I didn't say that. I just said I'm not a Blake not sympathizer. Not a Blake sympathizer. Stroke mm. <laughs> <laughs> my chin. Menacingly. <laughs> Do we want to get into ratings? Sure, I don't know. sure. Dude. Should we let our guest go first and have the honors? Uh, yeah, well, why not? Why not? It's all up to uh, you, Sergeant Reno. Here you well, go. No pressure at all. Well, I mean, uh, you guys kind of already stole my rating, but I guess <laughs> I'll. Uh, I haven't had time to think up a different one, so I'll just rate this episode a silver lizard that holds <laughs> boobs up because uh, I feel like. I feel like there was a lot holding this episode up. It was a, holding it to a high standard, a couple of high standards of storytelling and characterization. Uh, I think it's this might be the best episode of season two, in my hmm. opinion. Interesting. Yeah, I'd, I'd put it up there. I don't know if it beats Shadow for me. Yeah, I'd say it's good. I think Shadow is still my favorite yeah. of the show, even. <laughs> Shadows. I just really, huh. really like Shadow. <laughs> That's the one with the moon moon discs, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh the drug addicts. Yeah. yeah. And, and dream heads. Evil evil orac. The dream heads. And, evil uh, orac Cali. <laughs> everything had a lot going on and everything was just connected really well. A lot of Gan stuff going on in that episode too. Yeah. Gan actually did something in that episode. Yeah, that that was probably I think the most balanced episode in terms of actually giving all the characters something to do. Even Zen and Orac. Mm-hmm. Uh uh-uh. for sure. So, uh, did, how Gan much... have, did Gan have his wizard suit on in that episode? Or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Pretty sure Avon was wearing his bling BDSM outfit in that episode, too. Sweet. <laughs> Callie was wearing her cape, I think, in that episode. Yeah, I mean, even the costumes were just spot on. You know, Blake had the massive sleeves. and <laughs> <laughs> Sleeves. <laughs> oh, and we also got uh, the Luke Skywalker cosplay in yeah. the, with, for uh, Avon, Jenna, and, yeah. and uh, Blake. Wow. <laughs> exactly. That was tremendous. Yeah, so my rating is actually also related to Serverland, but it's Serverland's hat. <laughs> I'm rating this as Serverland's hat. Because <laughs> it's 
it's uh, you know it works okay <laughs> it works yeah, it's, it's it looks good right? it looks it's good from the outside it looks good from far away it looks really good close up <laughs> a little uh, greasy on the inside <laughs> is it 100% actually functional like other hats on this show uh, I well, mean it's weaponized. no but but it works right it's a hat and you know looks good feels good does good stuff really fits Serverland's figure somehow <laughs> I don't know how I can say that a hat fits someone's figure, but I just did, so. Well, it's not dangling around her ears or anything, so. Oh, yeah, thank goodness for that. It actually fits on her head rather nicely. Yep. The costume department actually tailored the hat to her head. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I gave this episode a Dev Tarrant. Because <laughs> the best thing about it was its acting. You know, there was a lot going for Dev Tarrant. You know, he was evil. He was a backstabber. Uh, traitor, but the best thing about him was his ability to act. And this episode also had a lot going going for it. it. Had a lot going on, a lot of cool stuff. But I think most importantly, you know, better than all of that was the acting. <laughs> you really can't <laughs> trust those Terrence. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, I don't know if Dylan knows. But this isn't a major spoiler. We'll be meeting a few more people by name of Tarrant because yeah, I, I, I just learned that <laughs> Tarrant was Terry Nation's nickname in like high school or college or something. What? Yeah, so that's why there's so many Terrants. Wow. <laughs> what kind of a nickname is Terrant? Uh, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> amongst uh, amongst my uh, amongst my crew, we've got uh, we Tarrant has become a slang term for something, but uh, it's Probably too early traitor. to tell you what that is. <laughs> we'll Backstabbing <have> <laughs> bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll revisit that. When the time is appropriate. Right. Yeah. Overall, I think a good episode. Anybody else have uh, anything they'd like to uh, say at the end here before we wrap it up? Is there somebody I... else here? Uh, yeah, actually. We're recording in, uh, in the middle of nowhere right now. So. We didn't mention, but we have another guest. No, no. Surprise? <laughs> it's Terry Nation himself. Terry, no, come on me. in. It's me, Paul Darrow. <laughs> Star of Avon 7. <laughs> And writer of Avon, what was that book called? The a terrible Avon? aspect, right? Avon, a terrible aspect. Should have been called Is that Avon, the one that just retcons novel. the end of the show and <laughs> something makes, like that makes Avon like the main character? It's about Avon's early life, I think. Yes, I mean yes. <laughs> <laughs> mm. All right, you can you can go now, Paul Darrow. Uh, thanks for Get your contribution. Here, <laughs> Get out of here, Paul. <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> uh, anybody else have anything to say? Drano, Keon. I think I'm done. I think I might be done too. Okay. Well. Good game. Then we'll give you uh, an opportunity to shamelessly plug yourself where we can find your podcast if people want to listen. Oh, uh, you can. And, oh, there was an and. And I was going to say where you could find your other stuff, but I don't know how much other stuff you have. So shamelessly plug everything. <laughs> iTunes is the simplest place. You can, if you search for Station 7, the door, you'll find us on iTunes. Mm -hmm. uh, we're hosted through the old talk shoe site, so you could find us there too if for some reason you wanted to. Uh, a lot of times we try to do live call in shows. Uh, it's only occasionally we have people call us, but uh, <laughs> but you know anybody who wants to be on the show can be on the show. 
and uh, we're also on Facebook. Search for the same thing. That's pretty much it. Okay. Cool. 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 And you can find us at, well, you can email us at thedoctor.decadivegetable.com. Questions, comments, concerns, angry rants, love letters, your thoughts on Sergeant Drano's guest appearance on this episode, or Gan's death, either <laughs> or. You can find us on Apple Podcasts at Zenith at Blake 7 Podcast. You can find us on Google Play at Zenith. You can also find us on YouTube at Decorative Vegetable. Leave a rating if you like the show. Check us out on Facebook. Trust your doctor. Like us on Facebook. Also check us out on Twitter at TYD Podcast and follow us on Twitter. And, and next time, we I just want to say thank you to Sergeant Drano for being on the show before we end here. Big thank you for joining us and putting up with our nonsense. Yeah, thank you. Definitely. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. <clears throat> yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe we'll uh, do it again sometime. We've still got something like 20, well, 30. Yeah, two episodes still, to go I think we still have Orbit to watch so <laughs> <laughs> that would be lovely so we might have you back on the show again in the future so thank you right. sweet uh, a lot for being on the show and next time we're watching Trial but until then the end the end